For the last time, they're the Athletics. Don't call them the A's. Yeah, seriously, when else are you gonna be able to wear a mask in public? It's gear. You can wear gear in public and not be ashamed of it. I mean, it's normal. So you have to do it. So yeah, do it. Wear the Clippers mask in public. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Nebraska fans are tired of hearing all of the tie-ins the Cornhuskers have with the number one overall NFL draft pick this year, quarterback Joe Burrow, in case you missed it. Joe's two way older brothers played football at Nebraska in the late 90s and early 2000s. That is not a typo, and it's pretty cool. It's it's similar to uh, the actress. We always call her Vera Farmiga, but isn't it Vera Farmiga is her name? That is not her daughter. Uh, that's her younger sister, who's also an actress. They're separated by some uh, 21 years. It's a similar deal where Joe Burrow's two older brothers played football at Nebraska late 90s, early 2000s, and his dad, Jimmy, was a graduate assistant at Nebraska in the early 2000s. Not the graduate assistant that you might be thinking of where he was 22 and just out of college. That would have been interesting. No, Jimmy had already been coaching for two decades by then, and he was a graduate assistant. So the fact that 2019 Nebraska struggled while 2019 LSU and Joe Burrow won the national title obviously led some Huskers fans to wonder why Nebraska didn't want Joe Burrow, although LSU, unlike Nebraska, had not been down for as long and was almost fully rebuilt, and it remains to be seen if Burrow alone was that good or if Burrow's Zen offensive assistant was that good or both. But anyway, there it is in black and white. In the 2002 Nebraska Football Media Guide on assistant coach Jimmy Burrow's page in his bio, this is what it says in graduate assistant Jimmy Burrow's bio, quote, Jimmy and his wife have a five-year-old son, Joey, unquote. There's your number one draft pick for 2019. That's what it says in the yearbook. This is the, uh, that's what it says in the yearbook sportscast. Says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com. You can also call this sportscast uh, the yearbook. That was to contact us. And I'm your host, Doug. Uh, Thank you for listening. We're available. It's available wherever. uh, Well, yeah, we are available. But uh, the podcast is available wherever podcasts uh, are available to you. How many players? This was recorded after round one, but before round two of the NFL draft, uh, which is actually happening. How many players? is TCU, Texas Christian University. It's in Fort Worth, for crying out loud. How many players is TCU going to have drafted? Who knows? Everybody lies before the draft. But there was a possibility of three horned frogs, TCU, going in the first round, and two did get drafted in the first round. So maybe another two in today's second round. Amazing, all out of TCU. Amazing but frustrating for Horned Frog fans who really haven't had a lot to be frustrated about recently. The team's been so good. But frustrating because TCU was just 5-7 and seven last season. Only 5-7. and seven. Now, of course, it's more complicated than that. So we're not blaming anybody. But only 5-7 and seven despite all those pros. And seeming to also have a lot of relatives. Two sons of former NFL players, including Monte Rager's son, uh, who was a first-round draft choice uh, this year, last night. He was picked in the first round. He's a receiver. And also John Stevens' son and LaDainian Tomlinson's nephew. They were all on the team or, all on, or are still on the team. And former Major League Baseball pitcher Ryan Bowen's son is a football player at TCU. And current Harlem Globetrotters coach Jimmy Blacklock's son 
is uh, actually in this draft. He could be the next TCU player drafted. He could be drafted tonight, although everybody lies. The NHL season, has it has to come back. Right now, Andre Kasha's potential is just there in suspended animation. Don't look Andre Kasha up. His name is not spelled anything like it sounds. Kasha is the hockey version of the baseball thing where to the naked eye, a player seems okay, but the math loves him. With the Ducks, the last few seasons, Kasha sure looked like just an ordinary player. He looked like an ordinary player when he actually played because he wasn't on the ice much. So superstar hockey players can take the whole game to score a goal. Inefficient. Somehow Kasha, in his limited ice time, was always shooting and scoring goals. How did he find time to even skate around? He did pass. We'll get to that. However he did it, Kasha is absolutely beloved by the deep stats, by the by the analytics. The Ducks traded him to the Bruins before people started buying paper towels and stopped buying candy, uh, but he only got to play uh, six games before the entire NHL season was suspended. So he only got to play six games in Boston. Now, Kasha only has the one assist with Boston so far, so he does pass because his only point is an assist. But what would Kasha have done with the remaining games and in the playoffs? Were the sabermetrics right about Kasha where everybody else was wrong? Or were the sabermetrics wrong about Kasha where everybody else was right? Right now, there literally is no answer. Also in suspended animation is Hofstra's unflappable men's basketball team's heartwarming NCAA tournament bid and Dayton men's basketball's possible national championship winner. We ain't forgot. Sports will be back, but for Hofstra, Dayton, Seton Hall, Bradley, Penn State, Hartford, San Diego State, Iowa, and Oregon women's basketball, the moment's gone for good. Back at the NFL draft, uh, apparently every NFL team is going to change its uniforms, and somebody finally succeeded. Now, obviously, uniforms are totally subjective, so no one's going to agree on anything with this. This is just one of those things where no two people are going to like the same thing. But ironically, the Chargers, of all teams, who might have made one of the worst relocations in sports history, it's like moving the Dodgers to San Francisco or moving the Portland Timbers to Seattle. The Chargers at least got the uniform thing right, although the Rams also succeeded in the same city with their new old uniforms. They just blew the new logo. The throwback 1960s colors for the, for the new Chargers look great. The current colors look great. Although numbers on the helmets, that number on the helmet thing, that seems to get old fast, doesn't it? Maybe it's just us. Really, our only complaint about the new Chargers uniforms is more of a societal thing. The Chargers totally ripped off Kent State football, but Kent State football, which badly needs credit, won't get any credit for it. Now, the Kent State Flashes did originally rip off the Chargers. Lightning on the helmet, but the Chargers, well, now they're even. The Chargers now aren't innocent either. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, which we never mentioned. Others have to the Browns, uh, but the Atlanta Falcons uniform change also looks decent. But the Falcons did not touch their really ugly 
bird with a ham hock stuck in its wing logo. Uh, back to actual drafting. What about uh, UMass defensive back Isaiah Rogers, who we mentioned last fall? He finished 22nd. Or was it 29th? He finished in the 20s. He was as high as 22nd. He may have ultimately finished uh, 29th, but he finished uh, high in the rankings. Isaiah Rogers finished uh, at least 29th, but maybe as high as 22nd. And NCAA all-purpose yards, which is yards gained any way you can possibly gain them. Receptions, runs, returning interceptions, kick returns. The thing is, Rodgers was a defensive back, a pass defender, on a really bad team, meaning he didn't exactly have regular opportunities to pile up yards, so he had to get all of his stats on kick returns and interception returns. That's where all of his stats came from, and he was the only player in big-time football who could do it. Rodgers was the only non-quarterback, non-receiver, or non-running back in the top 200 on a list that only went up to 200. But the 2020 draft is not going to give us any answers on this. Rodgers seems like he would be a really valuable free agent, but even if he does get drafted, we would have to wait all the way up until cutdown day, which is a week before the regular season, to really find out uh, what teams think of him. Uh, What about the draft itself? Again, this was taped between uh, the first and second rounds, if you're curious. What about the draft itself? Everyone wants to believe that the guy running their team is a genius. Now, obviously, the priority is we really want everyone to stay healthy, but we're also concerned about if your team's genius can make a decent decision when they can't even see the prospects in person. Now, this this is not the movie Draft Day, where Kevin Costner waited until draft day to find out no one liked the number one overall prospect for multiple reasons. All the teams already know lots of stuff about everybody. But the draft is an educated guess anyway. And with all the GMs now evaluating prospects this year from their carports, in a few years, could we be looking back on some really bad 2020 draft classes. For example, in 2025, you could be saying, wow, the Seahawks with an uncharacteristically bad draft back in 2020. I mean, we we could be saying that several years from now. Now, hopefully one of the teams that might struggle in this year's draft is not your team, unless your team is one we don't like. Speaking of the number one overall prospect no one liked in draft day, he fake played at Wisconsin. But I think we all know who no one likes at Wisconsin Athletic director Barry Alvarez, who told his spring sports seniors to get lost. Unfortunately, you're breaking up. Uh, We got to get on the ferry. There's a police officer. We're going into a tunnel. So we'll have to do that next week.